Welcome in to the Illini Choir Podcast. It's Jeremy Warner, Derek Piper, live at State Farm Center, where we saw the first loss here for Illinois since they lost to a very highly ranked at the time Marquette team. This one, an unranked team. Derek, Illinois joins the crowd. A lot of top 10 teams losing to unranked teams. And, of course, it's Maryland. Illinois is just awful against Maryland. I looked it up 10-3 and three since uh, Maryland joined the conference. They've beaten Illinois 10 out of 13 times. Uh, this has been a terrible matchup, but uh, Derek, why did Illinois fall by nine points uh, in a game they led at halftime? What was your biggest takeaway? Oh, man, some ugly offense for sure, uh, especially in the second half. They couldn't make anything, even at the rim. Now, Maryland, that is one of their strengths. It's a top 25 defense, and they're really good at, at defending. But Julian Reese is one of the better shot-blocking bigs, and uh, the Big Ten, and then also, I mean, it's just a team that has good size. So I think that, that from a matchup standpoint, outside of Jameer Young, they matched up pretty well with, of course, Illinois, who wants to use their size against other teams and find those matchups. But, uh, you know, Dante Scott on Ty Rogers or uh, the size they could throw at Marcus Damascus, he got going there uh, in the second half. And then defensively, that was probably the biggest thing that surprised me because Maryland has been just flat out awful offensively for pretty much the entirety of the season, one of the worst shooting teams in all of college basketball, didn't shoot it particularly well today. They had a couple of timely threes um, by guys that haven't really made very many of them. Geronimo made his third of the year. Harris Smith made one late from the corner. You know, he was shooting 15% from three prior to that. But uh, Jameer Young off the bounce. We've seen Boo Booey and, and Tyson Walker. Illinois did a pretty good job of, of making life at least difficult and, and those guys not going off. Jameer Young off the dribble was something that gave Illinois a lot of problems and while we rightfully so, you know, saying Coleman Hawkins praises after the, the last game against Michigan State for his defense, Julian Reese got the better of him inside. And really, as you look at it, you know, Coleman, a, a stretch four who's transitioned into a five, he's actually better defending in space and defending on the perimeter than he is against a guy that's yeah. good with his back to the basket. So that showed today, Illinois couldn't, couldn't stop him, couldn't stop Young, didn't uh, adjust all that well defensively. I uh, thought maybe they could have maybe trapped young or trapped Reese earlier or uh, tried to do more to bottle up young. And uh, when you have some non-shooters like Maryland does, you can maybe do some things differently, but just that Maryland had the edge, uh, the competitive edge, the, the intensity, the the loose balls were going their way. And it was a team that looked like they needed a win versus a team that maybe was feeling like they, uh, I don't want to say they overlooked Maryland, but it just didn't match them in terms of that, that type of uh, disposition. Yeah, you asked a great question of Brad about this uh, after the game, but I think what we learned this week, Derek, is teams are going to give Illinois their best shot because this is a, you know, Illinois is going to fall in the rankings, but they're a top twenty-five team. It's one of the few like quad one, no doubt opportunities for a lot of these teams. Could be a great resume booster, and is a huge resume booster for Maryland. This is by far their best win of the year, and they're going to get teams' best shots. And I think we know without Terrence Shannon this isn't quite the normal top 10 team. This isn't the normal kind of top 10 team, uh, top 10 kind of teams in college basketball. There's a lot of parity this season. Uh, so maybe it's weaker at the top and, and just a lot more parity and evenness throughout it, but they're going to get their best shot. And, and the, I thought what Illinois, where they had the advantage today was depth and shooting. And in the first half, I thought their depth showed up a little bit with Dane Danger. I thought the shooting was definitely uh, a huge mark for them in the first half, five of eight from three Maryland, I think made one three in the first half. Uh, but in the second half, Illinois shoots one for 14 from three. They miss all these layups where they end up nine for 24 at the rim. 
whatever it was. Maryland owns the points in the paint, 52-26. Illinois can't stop them from getting the paint, can't stop them from converting once they get to the paint. But the lack of depth today, like this was Marcus Damask versus Maryland for the final 10 minutes. Damask finishes with 26 points. Goody had 13, but after those first three threes of the game, they basically shut him down. He didn't get a, another field goal until that late layup, right, uh, which which didn't really matter. Quincy Garrier, seven on two for 10 shooting, couldn't buy a layup. All those fast break opportunities, couldn't get one to go. Ty Rogers, you know, forced a lot of them uh, up, some contested shots, two for 10. And then Justin Harmon, uh, a complete non-factor tonight. It was minus 16 in the plus minus, but zero for seven from the floor. Uh, only had one point. Uh, and Coleman Hawkins didn't have his normal game. So all of a sudden, if it's going to be Damask and Goody against Jameer Young and Julian Reese, hmm. I'm going to side with Maryland there. No, that's a great point. Yeah, Quincy Garrier using that left hand at the rim was not able to finish a handful of times. Uh, Ty, like I mentioned earlier, kind of got matched up on Dante Scott, and and Scott, to his credit, uh, was able to to hold his ground, not bite on the pump fakes, and, and it really made it tough to finish oversize. And and Harmon just had a really bad game, and uh, all the way up till the end where he goes in the lane and, and throws up a floater that missed. So uh, again, to circle back, it was. Uh, Pretty awful stretch of offense there for a while. And Marcus did carry Illinois down the stretch to even make it a game late. But uh, Coleman didn't have his three three ball going. Uh, goes over four, I believe, and uh, pump faked a couple of times where it kind of got back into some similar mode of of him maybe showing some hesitation or, or trying to over overcomplicate some things uh, offensively. So that was disappointing. Uh, again, like Maryland is uh, a decent defensive team, so I think that their size matched up well with Illinois. And this is just a game where you would have loved to have a uh, first team all American caliber guy going downhill and uh, being able to make some things happen, because that's one thing I know people are going to ask, you know, what, what's up with it being Maryland? Like why, why does Maryland do so well against Illinois? I would say through the years, they've, they've had some good athletes. They've had some good size positionally. Like we've seen that Illinois hasn't had a good matchup for Dante Scott and Scott didn't really hurt them a ton offensively. Cause I, you know, Quincy Garrier, matching up with him, but mm-hmm. you know, through the years, some bigger guards like Marcel and Ayala and those guys. And uh, this is another team that has got that size. Um, now it's, it's coming to the detriment to, you know, when you start Jordan Geronimo as your three, you're not going to have a whole lot of shooting, especially, you know, you go around and look at Harris Smith, not shooting a well and, and Reese isn't a factor on it as a jump shooter. But uh, yeah, I think that it was obviously hard for them to get it rolling there offensively. Meanwhile, you know, Maryland was ugly early on offense, but then there was a stretch late in the first half where they scored on eight of nine trips at one point and really got going. And then it was just a situation of Illinois not providing enough resistance off the bounce and around the basket and fouling and Coleman fouls out for the only second time in his career. And just uh, you got God on your home floor and it's disappointing. That's a quad three loss. Maryland's, Ranked in the the hundreds, like I think 118th or something in the net prior to this game. So that's not one that's going to sit well. Yeah, and when we're talking about Big Ten contenders, Derek, Big Ten contenders don't really lose at home. And when you got Wisconsin, which might be on pace to win 18 Big Ten games based on how they're playing and how bad uh, the rest of the Big Ten is, this one's going to hurt. This one's going to hurt if you're going to try and be in that race. And uh, it might be a reminder, Derek, I don't know if we needed it, that, yeah, this team's going to miss Terrence Shannon. Like, like this team, as long as he is out, if he is continues to be out, they're going to miss him because Damask really needed some help today. And there was just no one that could do it, that could just stop the bleeding 
besides Domask when they needed it. I thought he was fantastic down the stretch. He had too many turnovers today, but um, man, like he just didn't have enough help to do it. And, and to get a guy like Terrence Shannon uh, would be there. Illinois ended up with 10 fast break points, but it just feels like there were so many missed opportunities on that fast break. Cause um, you know, Maryland in transition, I thought gave him some opportunities. They just weren't able to make the most of it. Uh, but man, at one point, Derek, Illinois was one for 16 shooting during a stretch in the second half where Maryland took the lead and kind of widened it there. Like you're just not going to win games doing that. No. And some of those are shots that, you know, they'd love to have again at the basket that they could obviously certainly make. Um, I think there is something to be said of, of Marcus with being able to create off the dribble and, and be a guy that you trust as a, as a shooter off the bounce that Illinois didn't have outside of him a lot that could make that happen. I mean, Ty, we know has limitations and, uh, Justin was not making things happen as far as that goes. Quincy. Meanwhile, on the other end, you're seeing Jameer Young do what a great guard does, right? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. There's a difference there for sure. And uh, well, Quincy, I, I liked his straight line drives this year. His ability to shot fake, go to the basket, and finish, or get fouled. He wasn't uh, getting fouled, which is credit to to Maryland for being able to again have that size that they can wall up with you uh, at the basket. And, and Quincy was not able to finish. So uh, that's one where you miss a a bona fide big time run your offense through type of guy in Terrence Shannon and a, a, a sidekick really, you know, Damas sidekick to, to Shannon is now Damas being the one, one number one guy and other guys around him got to step up and prior, you know, coming into this game, Quincy and Coleman both had scored in double figures in seven straight games. You don't get that tonight. And obviously that's a, a tough thing to try to weather the storm with. Yeah. Meanwhile, Geronimo gets nine. Dante Scott gets nine. I mean, it, it was all young and Reese for the most part. Harris had a big three. Um, Geronimo hit the big three. But yeah, your lack of depth uh, for Illinois to win games, Derek, they need five, six guys around double figures. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. that, that's kind of how this team is built moving forward. But Underwood was most disappointed in the defense and the rebounding. Obviously, he's talking about toughness, all that, but were there adjustments you thought Illinois could have made defensively? Because Reese one-on-one was a problem for Hawkins, but most importantly, I just thought Jameer Young getting downhill like he did was a huge problem for Illinois. Yeah, I know when you're playing a team that's shooting – had been shooting 24% from three in Big Ten play, so I would say maybe you zone them a little bit. Maybe, you know, zone naturally forces teams to shoot the three and, and – Operate in those catch and shoot situations. Brad's never played zone. That's just not something they he don't does. practice it. That would be his answer. Yeah, right? I can hear him right. now. Like we don't practice that. We're not. We're not going to be good at it. Yeah. So I, I get that. I, I think in hindsight, maybe you, you blitz Jameer Young a little bit more in his ball screens. I know they chased him around screens. They Maryland did a good job of running him off of actions off the ball to where it seemed like he already had an angle on Ty Rogers. Uh, if you go under those off ball screens, then. I mean, he pops out for three, and then he's he's caught underneath, and that's an open shot, which he's actually a decent three-point shooter, uh, even though as a team they're not very good at it. But there were times where it looked like Ty was chasing from the hip pocket, and, and then he had that lane. So, uh, of course, if you then you blitz, you got the the roller wide open, uh, Julian Reese, and you got to cause rotations. But uh, I think as you look back at it, I have to rewatch the game, but when you mm -hmm. face a team that has non-shooters or – poor shooters like they're going to throw Harris Smith out there uh, who, who breaks some wide open ones. Geronimo uh, has had a real issue in making threes that you can clog up the lane a little bit more. And when I've watched Maryland games uh, this year, teams that can just make it so condensed in the paint, condensed for young on drives, condensed on, on Reese for post-ups, that's where they struggle a lot because then they rely on their jump shooting, which again, that 
it'd been one of the worst stats. So, uh, I mean, I tip my cap to, to Reese for having that kind of game against Coleman, but kind of, again, that's Coleman analytically, when I was looking at it for the story, I just wrote, he's like one of the best out there of non post up def- you know, defense. So like, Team, guys are shooting 22% against him on non-post-ups. But on post-ups, he's fairly average um, in, in terms of, you know, not being a guy that has a whole lot of of strength or ability to wall guys up that are are back-to-the-basket scorers. And Reese got the better of him. And then, yeah, Young was a problem downhill for sure. So I asked Brad Underwood after the game uh, a, fan, a question fans always ask us, Derek. I mean, Dane Danger, I didn't think his first half was great, but he ended well. He gave Illinois a scoring flourish at the end of the half with five points there in the final, what, 90 seconds. Uh, and got a couple boards uh, that they needed. And I asked Brett, you only played one minute, Dane Danger, in the second half. Was that due to defense? And he said, yes. And then he paused, and he was waiting for another question. That was kind of his only answer. Then he went into a more detailed answer. I think he finally realized, I, I want to talk on this. Um He's not been happy, I don't think, with Dane Danger's defense. And Dane, despite his 7-4, and four, was a minus 7 when he was on the floor, which you think of some of the positive moments he had. Um, he gave up a lot defensively as well. So I think that's why Brad was most upset about the defense. He puts guys in some um, bad positions, his teammates in bad positions defensively, Brad said. Um, so despite his ability to score, and I thought maybe you just go to him at some point in that second half because you need a bucket or two, uh, he's still – didn't trust to throw him out there. I, th- I found that pretty telling. It is for sure. Yeah. And like you said, when you're one for 16 from the field offensively, and we know the Dane inside can, can give you a little something uh, in terms of, you know, back to the basket game. And uh, I thought he made a really nice spin move off uh, with the left hand finish in the first half, mm-hmm. uh, as far as that goes and, and did give you some rebounding. It's, you just have a lot of limitations defensively because he's got to play drop coverage and with Jameer Young coming off of ball screens, that leaves a lot of that in-between game. And Jameer had the floater going that it, it just – it's there was a one bad possession. combination. There was one possession. Reese, all he did it, had to do was seal him, and Jameer Young had an open layup. It was yeah. just easy layup. Right. And that's tough. And I know that Brad mentioned a, a, game, a play specifically in the post game about Dane coming out of the paint, getting back screen, and it was just an easy layup. So uh, it, it's – we come back to a lot, the difference between him and Coleman, although Coleman didn't have a great game overall, but Coleman's just awareness defensively, the areas that he can cover, the, the versatility Illinois can play, because they, they're preferring now to play a lot of switch, almost switch everything defense, essentially. When Coleman's at the five, they're, they're comfortable switching, essentially uh, five guys around the, the perimeter, any actions, any screens, they're going to switch that action. So uh, they, they Col- play Coleman on the court, by the way, a minus one in, in 29 minutes. Danger was a minus seven. Uh, in 10 minutes, Coleman, seven rebounds, two blocks, a steal. I, I, the foul, he got fouled out on. I thought he was one of the best defensive possessions I saw all game uh, from Illinois. So, I get it. Coleman didn't have a good game, but no, you still feel his impact when he's out there. Yeah, it's different. It's just different in terms of how you can guard stuff. I, I don't know that – and we would have had to seen it play out there in the second half. Like, could Dane have, on those post-ups against Julian Reese, provide a little bit more – resistance than Coleman did. I mean, he's obviously bigger and probably stronger. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if it, that was worth it to Brad to, to try to find out. Obviously, if he played him only one minute in the second half. I get some can can try to go back and nitpick this thing and say that's something you could have done. But on the note that we just talked about, it probably would have allowed things to be even easier for Jameer Young going downhill with yeah. Dane kind of playing that that drop and leaving so much of that, that in-between game open. 
Yeah, if you want to get some questions in, you can. We'll get to those here coming up. Uh, along those lines, Derek, um, I saw another person. Divine said, I'll never understand how DGL or Nico don't touch the floor in this game. I think it's because Brad Underwood did not trust them to to guard Jameer Young. Jameer Young is one of the best guards in the Big Ten, and he tore up Illinois' good defenders mm-hmm. today. Uh, and is I understand the offense those guys can bring, but I think Jameer probably would have had 35 if those guys were on the court. Yeah, Nico hasn't played in two months, and he's still yet in his career played against a high major opponent. Like his three games prior to getting hurt were against Eastern, Valpo, and Southern. So uh, I expected if this was going to be a close game, he wasn't going to play, and I fully agree with that decision. Um, I wouldn't think that, you know, coming off a foot issue, you probably have been in much of a rhythm shooting-wise. So even offensively, I don't know that he'd come out here and make shots. Uh, And then defensively, that's a – a really tough ass. Like Ty Rogers is a good defender, um, if not very good. And he had problems, you know, cutting Jameer Young off and whatnot. I would not want to put Nico in that situation. And Dre Gibbs law when I I think that he provided some of a spark early in that Purdue game defensively, but ended up with four fouls, reached too much, uh, and then he just has not been making shots and especially in high major games. He's yeah. he's taking some questionable ones. Uh, he's just kind of forced the issue at times and has yet to really find a rhythm offensively. So uh, I know that people are asking about the minutes allocation. Brad's really pushing back on that and saying, hey, these are guys are 20 to, well, I know with Illinois rosters, Illinois roster 20 to 24 years old. Uh, you know, they shouldn't be getting tired and we got the best conditioning and all that stuff. I, I do think it's something, I don't think it's a crazy question because I think it's a the, fair question. Yeah. The, the workload has been immense for the top five guys with a short bench. But um, I don't know if those guys, especially defensively, like you, you were saying, would have really put you put yourself in a great position to have success. All right, Derek, I'm going to ask you if this is just a, a one-off game or, or something uh, bigger to be concerned about. Before we do that, let's get to uh, one of our great sponsors. This episode of the Alana Inquirer podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. What are some things you want to keep the same about yourself or your life in 2024? Where are you already crushing it? Think opposite of new year, new you. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Maybe you finally organize one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you want to actually eat breakfast too. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash all right, Derek, let's get to some of our, our questions here coming up. But uh, one of them was from Scott. What happened in the handshake line? Uh, that was kind of right in front of us as I was following off my story. But I, I saw Julian Reese and Tim Anderson, the Illini assistant, going at it. Saw the video. Uh, and it looks like Tim Anderson did not want to shake Julian Reese's hand. Um, so I don't know what that was about. I'll just say I don't like an assistant coach doing that kind of stuff. Just shake the hand, move on with the day. Uh, I don't know if there was a lot of talking during the game. I didn't hear that. I didn't see that during the game, but uh, that was, that was something. 
Yeah, it's not a good look. I know that you know, not the biggest thing in the world, but of course, from a sportsmanship standpoint, when you, you lose, you know, regardless of what happened on the court, uh, you see it all the time in sports. You go and shake the guy's hand. You don't even have to say anything to him. It's just kind of uh, that's the way things go. So uh, I don't know what ex- exactly led up to that. I know some people on Twitter. I did see Julian late in the game, but it was really no – I didn't hear anything um, – crazy that he said he was talking to the orange crush like kind of john back you know yeah. hey why are you guys leaving that, that happens everywhere whenever right. something like that uh goes down you get a road win and we, we know through the through the game the the crush says their fair share so to a lot of student sections during the uh, around the country so not blaming them but also not blaming reese unless there was something that i missed but i, I saw it late i saw jameer you know john back with with ta and then justin Harmon. but uh, yes as we watched as I watched the the video, I, I did see that it was initiated by Reese not getting a hand from from TA. So I, I don't know. I'm not, until knowing more, there was no comments really to, to get about that after the game. And it's um, yeah. yeah, it's just, just one of those things that's boiling over frustration. And maybe there was a little bit more to it based on what happened in the game. All right, Derek. So I want to ask you, is this uh, a loss to get concerned about or do you feel like this was just an off night? For Illinois, uh, I think that it is maybe a realization that you know you're going to miss Terrence Shannon, like you said earlier, and that you know while they're ranked top ten in the country, although <laughs> there's only two teams out of the top ten in the AP poll that didn't lose this past week, so they're they're not alone in that. I know a lot of those were on the road losses. Uh, I do still think this is a favorable Big Ten slate for Illinois. Uh, on I think that big picture. It's probably just a sense that are they going to be a elite Big Ten team? Are they going to be a big national contender if Terrence doesn't come back? That's that's a valid question. Now, it's, I don't want to overact off of one loss, right. but Marcus is going to need more help consistently. I do think it's fair to say that, and while really we haven't seen a lot of it up to this point, teams with legit size at those other positions where Illinois has that advantage will give this team some problems. Tennessee – was one of those teams as well offensively that can with athleticism and size uh, where Illinois doesn't get those, those easy booty ball matchups. I know that Jameer Young was one of those that things can be more tough uh, in terms of uh, offensively. Uh, there have been some teams in, in situations where Illinois hasn't been as good or intense physical as Brad would like on the glass. And then I, I think that you do highlight just kind of some choices that they might have to make with some, some centers that, Coleman Hawkins, my guard. It's obvious as you see Zach Eady, okay, you're you're definitely going to double. Will you do that to Reese? Will you do that to some other guys? That's that's going to be a legit question. But I, I don't want to overreact too much off of one game. Uh, they were kind of probably due for a bit of a reality check or just uh, yeah. a down game in the sense of, hey, you know, t- and also teams are gunning for you. You know, that's to recircle back to that point. You know, Maryland really needed this to try to build a hope of putting themselves back in tournament position. Illinois is going to have that that target on their back, and without Terrence, you got to be ready for that. Yeah, if you had told me when Terrence got suspended they'd go two and two to start Big Ten play without him, I would have said that's actually not too bad, right? right. Uh, given that right. you had Purdue, Michigan State, Maryland, in Northwestern there, like I think those are probably four of the top half Big Ten teams. Maryland is a huge win for them, and I think they can get back on track as long as they can shoot the ball a little bit better. They got those two guys. I just think those two guys and Dante Scott are, are really good. And if their freshmen can contribute, Maryland could really improve the rest of the way. But there's just little margin for error here. 
right? I mean, Purdue, you get down 20 to four, then you still have a chance to compete and, and get back into that game. Michigan State was a dogfight. Tonight was a dogfight. Without Terrence Shannon, there's going to be a lot of these, Derek. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a lot yep. of dogfights. And if Quincy Garrier, Justin Harmon, and um, you know the supporting cast here goes five for 25 like they did tonight and Coleman doesn't have a great game, they're probably going to lose. Like, like this team can't afford, you know, four or five of your top five guys to really struggle and, and Marcus Domas to try and carry this thing. So um, it's not a surprise that they lost this game with the way they played. And I think if they play like this at Michigan, they, they're in trouble of, of losing, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's just a little margin for error for this team. But still, I, I think for the most part, what we've seen of this team without Terrence Shannon is – I think most nights are going to come out with some toughness. Most nights they're going to share the ball well and, and try to execute the game plan pretty well and, and be a reliable team. For me, this is like the most unreliable game we've seen from them. Like, you know, the reliability of this team is why I think they'll win double-digit Big Ten games and, and have a chance to be one of the top four teams in the Big Ten. But, you know, talent-wise, some other Big Ten teams can still match up with them. No doubt about it. Uh, I think that as I, I look back at it, as far, as far as point guard play and, and facing tough guards, like I mentioned, did pretty well against Bowie and Tyson. Um, Tyler Kolek, of course, cooked you up a decent amount. But then uh, when you went up against Kansas and Dewan Harris, like that was not a situation where like, oh, they have a, a a really experienced All-American caliber point guard and you don't type of type of deal. So, uh, But Jameer Young gave you some problems. And well, there's not a lot of Jameer Youngs out there, but, you know, you'll face one who's uh, pretty tough uh, and, and well-rested and Doug McDaniel, assuming uh, later this week on the Kyrie Irving see, is, policy. Is, is he really going to play I don't tomorrow know. I don't against know. Ohio State? Like That's my biggest question for Michigan because Michigan's got some size to them. They're terrible defensively. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Doug McDaniel's a good player, and, and you got to worry a little bit about that. But I, I still got to see that he's actually going to play at home and not play on the road. Like, that makes no freaking sense to me. Yeah. Uh, if it's academic-related, if you're ineligible, you're ineligible. Like, you shouldn't be able to play regardless. So I, I was I, I saw in the um, statement that he will dress for home games. Does that gotcha. mean he's playing? We will find yeah. out Monday when he plays Ohio State. So uh, something to watch for. But Michigan Rutgers – two opportunities to bounce back. Those are two mm-hmm. bad teams right now, but you need to win those games. You need, you need to take care of business and win those games for a tough road game at Northwestern. Absolutely. Yeah. And inside, I, I think just following up after this, it'll be interesting to see the way that Coleman responds or how it just responds with their interior defense facing Terrace Reed, physical guy and on the inside who's, who can score it, and, and then also Cliff Amore. Uh, Illinois did a good job against him. He really struggled in that game uh, in Piscataway. So, uh, yeah, just the fact of that supporting cast, like you talked about, it's short bench. You're going to see how that plays itself out through the year. Uh, I don't know that in terms of foul trouble, because it can really hurt you and, and whatnot, but you are relying on a, a very select group of guys that you need to be able to – to step up and, and get those contributions around the around your roster, around your starting five, other than just all right, it's going to be hard probably for Illinois to have uh, you know explosive night from you know Damas is gone from thirty, and I'm not saying that you know Coleman couldn't pop up for twenty or Gary A couldn't pop up for twenty, but I think the game against Michigan State was probably a better indication of what you'd like, which is a handful of guys and double yep. figures and really sharing the load that, in that sense. And uh, but yeah, this was just a. So far, it was a fairly one-off in terms of the 
the grit and the intensity lacking. Although early in the Purdue game, you could probably say that because they're getting killed yeah. on the defensive glass. And Maryland did just get too many 50-50 balls and were the more physical team around the basket. But um, I thought Illinois and some other games, Northwestern, uh, and even the way they battled against Michigan State, they were better there. So it's, um, yeah. it's a tough the theme one of the one week. to learn about. Yep. Yeah, the theme of the week is they're getting best shots from people. Yep. Uh, and no that's that's uh, what's going to happen when you're one of the teams that can uh, give them a resume-boosting win. A few questions before we get out of here. Jeffrey, every team that matches up in size and athleticism like Maryland and Tennessee is going to be like this if Brad doesn't change. Um, what other teams? I mean, Michigan and Indiana are Big Derek, mm -hmm. do yeah. they concern you with their their size, I mean, or is that something Illinois can exploit? Indiana's got a similar three through five, I would say. I mean, they're playing. They do not uh, have Jameer like, Young. I can tell you, they that. do not have Jameer Young. Yeah, <laughs> David Johnson, he's decent, but he's not Jameer Young for sure. Um, Trey Galloway, he's all right, and then, uh, but yeah, Mbako, and uh, then Khalil Ware at the five, and. Uh, Malik Renew at the four. So, I mean, that's a good front court for sure. And Renew and Ware in particular have had a really good, really good seasons. So I think that that's something that scoring around the basket can be tough against an Indiana team with that length and, and that uh, type of front court. And then, I mean, I don't know that Khalil Ware is really going to back down Coleman a ton, but he is scoring it really well um, when he gets the ball around the, the, the basket. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that, you know, Maryland's a physical team. Tennessee's a physical team. I, I probably would look at it more so just maybe to just chart that and think of it maybe in the in the NCAA tournament. I, again, not to say there aren't physical teams in the Big Ten. You know, Rutgers can be a physical team. They, they're horrendous offensively. But, yeah, Indiana's got some of that as far as the length and, and bigger. I just think bigger lineups that match Illinois in terms of that matchup because it's all about matchups with this offense, and that's mm -hmm. what they're hunting. They're, they're trying to get those. And when you've got leg size, it just makes it tougher to – to play yourself into those type of situations. Mark says, Pipes, is Quincy's hand hurting again after that uh, hard fall a couple games ago? He's not been sure-handed grabbing rebounds lately, either besides not going up strong on those uh, layups. Um, he, he was hurting after that game. He admitted that to us. So it's something to watch. Um, since, you know, since that game, I'm looking up his numbers. He's two for 10 from three mm. in those two games since that fall. So that's something to, to watch moving forward. That's a good point. Yeah, he did make one from the corner early. Uh, of course, that was a, a nice-looking shot. And the Michigan State game, though, he had back-to-back -back drives down the lane and finished with the left hand. So right. uh, that was something that obviously was was just fine in, in that game. This one, he just he seemed to be short trying to finish with the, with the left side. And uh, some of that was just, you know, sometimes you just don't – you don't execute. You don't convert. And uh, Maryland deserves a little bit of credit for that, for, for contesting. But I just thought that, that Quincy had a tough night. and yeah. But, yeah, in terms of the three-point shooting, we'll see. I think that the point that I would make, you know, just kind of beyond the injury is that he's a guy that while he's improved every year from three, on, on, he's been someone that's, if you look through his, his Oregon game logs and whatnot, he's had some ups and downs, some highs and lows in terms of consistency. But uh, as we talked about before, he was building a nice, nice momentum, a nice resume of that of late, off night. We'll just see how he responds. And the same goes for a lot of these guys. Jeff says, I think this team is capable of playing a different style of ball, but Brad has to commit to it instead of sticking to one style. I will give Brad this. He changes up things. Like He, he, he is very willing to change the way he plays. I don't know what Jeff, uh, the style he wants to play here, Derek. 
Um, but the booty ball worked with Damask for the most part tonight. Um, it just didn't make shots. It missed layups, missed three-pointers, like wide-open three-pointers. They, they were missing tonight. So I thought they got good looks for the most part. They just got to be able to convert. And and you got to give credit to Maryland, too. They got size on the inside to, to keep them from scoring. Right, yeah. I mean, this team came into this game top 10 country offensive efficiency. I know some of that obviously built with Terrence for sure, but uh, up to this point, it hasn't been a huge concern. I thought that the offense did stagnate some at, at times in the second half, um, whether that was guys just maybe not being sure of themselves or, or, or just having the ball stick a little bit more in this game than it, that it had maybe in some games past. Not that there wasn't, you know, in the Michigan State game was a little bit more of a a slug fit, slug fest as well, but that's what you get into in the Big Ten a lot of times. So and I, I see uh, Divine saying no spacing. There's plenty of spacing in this offense that I'm seeing, and if and if people want more Dane Danger, that yeah. is not going to add spacing. So I see plenty of it. No, that, that's the style they have is to yeah. post one guy and surround it with four out or around the the perimeter as well. So um, I know I know that Ty's defender is is cheating a, a decent amount. Whoever that's going to be, depending on. Whether you know the last, the previous two games, Purdue and Michigan State using their center, and, and tonight uh, they didn't, they didn't do that with with Reese. But um, yeah, I think that, that there were times where the booty ball matchup wasn't a great matchup. It was tie on like Dante Scott, and there were some forced shots there, like you mentioned. There were some forced threes that they took. They were sloppy with turnovers, really, from the halfway point of the first half and on. So uh, I, I don't think the offensive system. I mean. Prior to this game, you would have said that it's been a brilliant move to go booty ball, and that it's it's fit the fit the roster, and this roster's been well constructed and whatnot. So, uh, I don't want to overreact too much to again to one game, but right. th there's no doubt that you know it just wasn't their game, and they they should not be happy and pleased with the loss to Maryland at home. Maryland's had a tough season, and it's not going to look good on your resume. But uh, I, I actually was probably more concerned with defense than than offense yeah. today. Yeah, and and to to go off that offensive point, like you don't have the guard like Jameer Young to break down a defense to run the ball screen stuff. Like, you're just not as good without Terrence Shannon, who's able to do that. Um, you just don't have that guard right now. So you have to find a way to play. And right now, I mean, the offense over the, the long term here without Shannon has been pretty dang good. And it was pretty good in the first half, you know, against Maryland here. The defense really let him down there. All right, we'll wrap up with Scott. He said, how many losses did the Big Ten champ have? We are tied with Purdue, and we have a favorable schedule. Well, Wisconsin's at 5-0. and That has a two-loss lead on everybody. Purdue's 4-2, and Indiana 4-2. and That'll come back down to earth, in my opinion. Uh, but Illinois tied with Northwestern. And Minnesota at 3-2 and right now. I think you got to win at least 15 games to win the Big Ten. I think Wisconsin and Purdue have a chance to win 16. So uh, I don't. I don't see this Illinois team doing that kind of run in the Big Ten, but they're favored in a lot of these games coming up here, Derek. But uh, you just can't have a lot of slip slip ups like this. So I still think Illinois is top five Big Ten team, but Wisconsin it's gonna be tough to beat. Um, I think Purdue can beat them, but they're consistent. They're deep. AJ Stores added a athleticism element, explosive element that they just didn't have last year. Uh, and Purdue is just a load. Uh, I, I don't. If we went over under four and a half losses for Purdue, I'd have a hard time going over, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'd have to look at their schedule. I know that Ken Palm currently projects both Wisconsin and Purdue at 15 and five. Illinois now slotted down at 13 and seven. Uh, they, Purdue, have as, they have them as an underdog in just one game at Wisconsin. One point. 
Yeah, and, and it's crazy because Wisconsin's only only an underdog in one game, and that's at Purdue. So, that, like, really from now until mid March, Wisconsin's favored in their next. 14 games. Um, so that's going to be really interesting. They do draw Illinois only once and that being in Madison. So yeah, I think that 15 wins is probably going to, is the minimum, I think, uh, mm-hmm. to win this league in my opinion. And yeah, I think Purdue, uh, it's, it's hard to see them dropping probably too many more. Let's see what their road games are going forward this upcoming week. They got Indiana on the road, Iowa on the road. They got to go to Rutgers. They do go. They to will Wisconsin. not lose at Mackey. They will not lose at Mackey. They won't lose at Mackey. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, at Ohio State, at Michigan, at Illinois. Uh, yeah, I mean, two more losses, maybe three more losses. Uh, if you're not 15 and five, maybe even 16 and four, I don't think you're winning the league. Yeah. I don't think Illinois is, especially after this game, Derek. Like, you lose a home game to a team yeah. that's unranked. I, I, I think Maryland can bounce back and potentially make a tournament here if they rack up some good wins. But to keep pace with Wisconsin, who is just so consistent. Um, so good at home. I think Illinois can beat them. I think Wisconsin could lose five games, but I don't see them losing much more than that with their schedule. And it's just the rest of the Big Ten is not good. Like right. the, the rest of the Big Ten is just so poor compared to Purdue. And then I put Wisconsin and Illinois in that next tier. Um, I just, I, I just don't see them dropping that many games. So uh, for Illinois, this was a, a loss that could really hurt in, in that Big Ten title race. I still think they're a top five team in the Big Ten. Yep, for sure. I know that you look at the last handful of years, Illinois has gone consistently 8-2 and two in Big Ten home games. Uh, last year, the year before that, when they won the Big Ten title. So, I mean, you can lose a game, maybe two on your home court, and, and still win the league. Um, maybe to balance this out, you got to win your home finale against Purdue, and then that kind of uh, fixes that. But um, I, I agree with you in terms of Wisconsin. I mean, they've got a nice balance there. Uh, store, like you said, good athleticism. A nice scoring punch that he's provided. Uh, even a season starting to get a little bit more minutes off the bench and making some threes. So uh, they've been impressive. And then Purdue, yeah, I mean, they got Edie and other people don't. And then I still think while well, the guards have have slipped a little bit uh, of late, haven't played at, as good uh, against Illinois, against Nebraska, I, I still think they're good enough to be uh, to be steady and, and to make this a team that can win 15, 16 games in the Big Ten. So, yeah, I would agree with you that as far as Illinois, we always, you know, as soon as Terrence's situation popped up, it's going to be hard to win the league. And uh, I think that that's something that still remains for Illinois, especially you know, falling just short, even though you were trailing the, pretty much the whole game at West Lafayette. And then losing one today is is not one that's encouraging. As for the Shannon situation, uh, the judge in that uh, hearing – uh, postponed or deferred to make the decision yet. She wanted to look over more case law over the weekend. So the earliest I would imagine a decision with the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday uh, on Monday would probably be Tuesday. Uh, and, and we'll find out. Joe's in the courtroom. There are you know about an hour of questions and answers. I think more of them were for the plaintiffs, which is Shannon's lawyers. But uh, I, I don't want to read too much into that. I, I do think it's going to be – I just – I'm skeptical if Illinois can – you know, if Terrence Shannon's lawyers can win this just because uh, can a team not suspend, um, you know, somebody who plays basketball for them while he remains a student. Still got big questions about that, but I'm not a legal expert. But uh, I guess we should at least get clarity sometime this week, Derek, on, on whether Terrence Shannon's going to get that TRO. Uh, and then he has his uh, plea hearing on Thursday in Lawrence, Kansas, 
uh, where he will plead not guilty. Uh, I, I, then it goes into discovery phase, right? Then we go, we actually get into the actual trial. There's nothing. I, I don't expect any news unless something big changes out of that other than Terrence Shannon pleading not guilty. I agree with that. And it will be interesting as you get further along in the criminal case as it, as it is in terms of the evidence on both sides. I mean, really, the, we don't know all the cards the DA is holding, what else led them, uh, assuming if there is more that – uh, than just the alleged victim's account that led to them actually charging him with this. So uh, there's still some to learn as far as that goes. We also haven't heard Terrence's side of the story, which, of course, would come up in the trial. So that's something that yep. uh, down the road would would present itself. Uh, on the note of the the case against Illinois and the, the TRO situation, I know that, that the TRA, TRO is ruling initially is not going to be necessarily permanent of course it's temporary for a reason if it goes one way it would still then go into uh, another step of the injunction part of it and, and that would have some finality to it and then whatever decision is made the other side could appeal it in terms That's of right. the, the tro too so uh i'm with you as far as i think it's going to be hard and I, look i'm not the judge i don't know what the judge is thinking i didn't go to law school i don't watch law and order uh, i don't know where this is going to go but uh it feels like the Title IX side of this is going to be tough to argue and, and get the judge to get, get on board with, in my personal opinion, just because the the graduate assistant slash grad manager went with them and whatnot. Um, that, that's just my read on it and, and based on what we've been able to have access mm -hmm. to. Um, in terms of the NIL, and, and there's no doubt that Terrence would face harm to his status, to his career if he's going to sit out, but I – you know, the, the U of I is pretty much voiced that that's that harm is mostly, if not all, attached to the the charge more so than the university's reaction to the charge. So it right. seems hard to tell tell a university that, hey, you know, you've got a player that's been charged with a felony. You still have to play him. I have skepticism on that front. But then again, I don't know what this judge is going to do. Yeah. And then Terrence has his day in court uh, for his Great. criminal case. So um, that's, that's where he's definitely getting his due process uh, and will definitely get uh, to have his day in court and, and face the accuser. So we'll figure out where that goes. Not fun to cover uh, for us. Obviously, it has an impact on the team, though. And we got to discuss it and we got to discuss uh, how it impacts the basketball. And it, it certainly seemed to impact Illinois today, not having an All-American on the court. Thank you all for listening to the Illinois Choir podcast. Thanks to everybody for joining us on the live YouTube channel. Hit the like button on the way out. Uh, game at Michigan. Derek, what do you think of that uh, matchup real quick? I will be interested in the Doug McDaniel situation. If they don't have him, uh, even at home, and he's just dressed and not playing, that's going to be uh, really difficult because he's such a big part of their offense. Uh, they do have some talent in uh, Olivier Nkamwa, who good player from Tennessee, who's, who's come over and had a decent year so far. Familiar face in Damari Burnett, who can make some threes. Uh, and then I mentioned uh, Terrace Reed inside, but uh, not a, a squad that has a whole lot of depth, not a squad that – has defending very well, and they turn the ball over a lot. So they've—they're a train wreck right now. They're an that's, absolute. That's train probably wreck. the better way to say it. Yeah, <laughs> they lost five uh, in a row. Illinois needs to win uh, this game because this is an absolute train wreck right yeah. now at Michigan. Illinois has a huge coaching advantage, which we've seen play out here. Derek, they've lost five in a row, including yeah. McNeese State and Minnesota at home. Ooh. They just lost to seven by seven at Maryland, uh, but they do have talent. So if that talent wants to get together and have a great day one day, 
But uh, Brad Underwood's 4-0 and against Michigan. He needs to improve to 5-0 and uh, against Michigan and Juwan Howard, I should say. Juwan Howard is 4-0 and against. So um, you got you to gotta steal that one on the road, feel better about, you know, dropping this one at home. 100%. Yeah, and it does come back to what we were talking about earlier. Like, get used to a team seeing you. And I know Illinois may not be ranked in the top 10, but probably still in the top 15, definitely top 20 after this. A team seeing you, whether it's in their building or yours, and saying this is a game that could really mean something to us and could help us. Now, Michigan knows. I, I would hope that they have the uh, clarity and uh, self awareness to know that you know they're not going to the tournament. Uh, but still, I mean, that's a we know that's been a rivalry through the years and um, a game that I'm sure Juwan would love to get because he hasn't got one against Illinois in his career, and I, th- I think his tenure at, at Ann Arbor is uh, running short and running out of time. So um, Illinois kind of on the, the one of the lasting thoughts of, of this game as you carry forward is just got to be ready to take team's best shots and don't let them don't be their get right spot or their one off game and whatnot. So uh, the intensity is going to have to be there. And I do think this team started well, like that wasn't a problem in this yeah. game. I know that last year we talked about so many slow starts and sleepiness and just not intense, but whatnot, but uh, it was more the middle of the first half and on, but yeah, it's a bad, it's a very bad Michigan team, and uh, then a Rutgers squad that can barely score, and they're having an ugly season too. Our boy Joey Wagner might be insufferable, Derek. What's the um, score? Fourteen to nothing, Pat. Oh my god! And Jordan Love looks amazing. Stop! Stop! Can we just have one of these quarterbacks? Just one. <sighs> just one. Rebuilding year, they get to the playoffs, and they might take out the the Cowboys and get Mike McCarthy fired. (laughs) Yeah, there's some irony in that. Cowboys got to stop choking in the playoffs, but uh, not fun. Not fun. What what is that football existence like? We could have knocked them out. We could have knocked them out. We don't have – sorry, Derek, I don't think we have the quarterback to do that. Okay, we don't have a lot. (laughs) Um, Fortunately, we don't have the offensive coordinator that we did have anymore. But um, Packer guy. Yeah. All right. That'll do it for us. Thank you for listening to the Online Acquire podcast. Give us a follow rating review wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Online Acquire podcast. Peace.